Hello everyone. Welcome to Heaven's Lighthouse Ministry. As the word says, we shall come into his presence with singing and into his courts with praise and overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Of the promises of God, the fullness of the promises of God. And when we're going to go after the fullness of the promises of God, we're really going to have to exercise some faith. It's not something that we attain very quickly. We know that there are assurances that are given in Scripture, but we have to, without being uh, applying faith and perseverance and giving it time and really going after the, the truths that are promised in God's Word, we will not attain to those levels. So we, we, we thank God for the people that are you know, committed to this, um, these promises that are in the Word of God knowing that the Bible said that God cannot lie. We know those promises are, are true, right? But we have to go, we really have to go after them. And it takes um, a lot of um, commitment to begin to receive, to see those promises come to pass. So, so we've been addressing the foundational things of the Christian faith uh, for the last, um, we've been doing this, I think it's like 10 weeks now we've been doing this and we started off on the foundational things. Then we, we digressed for two weeks. We were talking a little bit on finances uh, previous week. And then last week we dealt with uh, dying to self, dying to self. And we know that that is the uh, dying to self is the big one in this Christian faith, right? Because we're, we have a, a whole nature that is, um, we have a, a whole nature that is sometimes dominating us and it's being fed by this earth, by this world this world system and keeping the, the old man under is the task of the Christian believer, right? Especially with so many influences that are in the world, so many things that are contrary to the word of God that are trying to get our attention, our focus, our money, every part of our being. Every, every time you're playing a worship music on, we were lucky this morning, we went through the worship music without uh, some type of an advertisement that's trying to divert our attention to something other than what we plugged in to listen to. And this is, um, so last week we were talking a lot about that. This is, Jesus Christ has invited us into a life and a relationship with him. And it's very clear in scripture uh, about this relationship, who should have our attention, our focus. Every part of our being is supposed to be committed to him. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. The material things that we need, that we see out there that somehow we're thinking the way to gain material things or take care of our financial needs is to um, work this intellectual thing. But God is actually saying that when we seek him, that those material needs will be met in that fellowship, in that relationship that we have with him. And as we focus on what he wants us to focus on, and we are um, totally, totally sold out to this, uh, to, to this methodology that is written in scripture. We have given ourselves to it because we know that this is the essence, this is why we were created, right? So we're not gonna allow the world systems um, to take over us to that dimension where we forget our relationship with God, forget, forget about the things that Jesus Christ said. He said we should bear fruits for the kingdom. That means there is a, there is a, a job, uh, uh, yes, you have a, a desire to accomplish um, material um, things, right? Maybe not only material, but even intellectual, like certain levels of, of uh, study. 
and so forth like that. You want to be like Stephanie, a PhD, or you want to be a lawyer, a doctor, and, th and those things are admirable. But those things must complement the calling of Christ on your life. They must not compete with it. And, and what has been happening is that those um, things, we have gone so far away from God a lot of times that we only focus on that. And dying to self, as it is in scripture, is um, God's word and God's plan for your life. You accommodating all of that back into your life and then putting everything in perspective, putting um, family life in perspective, understanding that the first commandment given to man was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? God first, family, and um, education, work, and everything after. And when we have this, when we have um, something that is misrepresented in this structure of operation that God has given to us, then sooner or later it's gonna crash and burn. It might look good from your bank pers bank's perspective, from your medical perspective, from your retirement perspective. It looks good, but if that's not, if it's not signed off, the signature of the way you constructed your life is not signed off by God. Sooner or later, something's gonna crash. But why should we wait until something crashes to come back to God when He's given us the invitation to come to Him when everything is um, seem as if it's doing well? So that this this is um, what I would recommend. I like to go to the Word of God, see what He's saying, and then adjust. And as you and as you go through Scripture, Scripture is basically showing examples after examples, hundreds and maybe thousands of them of people who did this or they did not do this. And each and every example that is laid out in Scripture of a person that did not totally give themselves to God ended up in a crisis. And then we see in Hebrews it talks about the ones that really overcame by faith. The Abraham and the Moses, right, all the way down, down to the, the apostles and so forth. So that's what we are focused on here is um, not just um, material gain, not just this world that world, world system and that is going to pass away. We know that the words that Jesus Christ spoke that they are true. So we we started off um, and we're going to continue this week for the next couple of weeks. We're just going to wrap up the um, teaching on on the foundational truths, and this is where you know as as uh, simple as it might seem, this is where 90% of the body of Christ missed the whole deal. The foundational things. And great swelling revelations are good, but if you don't have the foundation of your house um, set up like Jesus was explaining, it doesn't matter what you do with the roof, it doesn't matter what you do on the ground level. All of the nice furniture and so forth like that, if the, if the basement is flooded, it's, it's bad news. So I want to, um, we're going to be going into that, but I really want to read from a scripture before we get started off. And that is 1 Corinthians 2, 1 Corinthians 2, and uh, we'll read from 6 to 16. And this is kind of like of a, I don't know, this scripture seems as like if it was meant to confuse, confuse your brain because, uh, you know, Paul says that he didn't preach his gospel with the wisdom of man's word, but with the manifestation of the um, the spirit and with power. But whenever I read the scripture, I, I begin to think that Paul was more of an intellectual too, because sometimes it's a little bit uh, difficult to derive what he's actually saying. So we'll read from First Corinthians two, and we'll read from verses six uh, up to sixteen, and it says, "Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world." nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. So albeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Who is it talking about? I, I believe it's talking about us, the body of Christ, among them that are perfect. We, we are, we're talking about a wisdom that is, 
if we go outside and begin to have this, these type of conversations with um, people that are not of the Christian faith, then they will not adhere to this wisdom. This type of conversations they will not they will not understand because they are not yet they have not yet received Jesus Christ in their hearts. So and he say, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. It talks about the princes of this world come coming to naught, and no more the princes of this world. We know that, that that's talking about in a general sense, and not um, comprehensively. But most of the so-called princes of this world are the intellectuals of this world, are the people that are in uh, high positions in this world, and because they are dear to a a system of intelligence that is inferior to God, then the Bible is referring to them because because that is intellectual ability that is human, that is a lower level than the spiritual level, they will not open up to the things of God or to the word of God. And the Bible say, says in a general sense that people with that type of, uh, um, you know, who chooses by their own will, that type of knowledge they will come to naught. So, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So that what we're talking about here, when we talk, we begin to talk about the foundational things of the Christian faith, that's not something that you would talk about in your, in the job world, right? This is a, something that is totally spiritual, right? He said, and then verses eight, he says, which none of the princes of this world knew, and he goes on, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So God had a a redemption plan for mankind that was not revealed to everyone because had they known this they would have not um, worked into his perfect plan of having jesus christ come into this world and die so the enemy was trying to destroy the plan of god to redeem mankind <clears throat> excuse me not knowing that in crucifying jesus that he was going to fulfill that very plan walk right into the plan of god and the bible is actually making that clear to us <clears throat> said, but as it is written I had not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. That's what we're talking about. People that are here now that we choose to love God and to serve God as our, the foundational thing of our very existence. We, we, we are on the earth, firstly, to have fellowship and relationship with God, and everything else is secondary. And, we're, uh, in, 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 uh, and that dictate, dictates what we do in our daily lives. And I've had this um, this since really the Lord called me. And I said, yes, when the Lord called me, I was like, if God is actually calling me to begin to um, serve, serve him, the answer is absolutely yes. And the answer is like, no. And I'm like, what do I need to do, Lord? Because I didn't, I didn't know that people could actually reject God's um, calling. And this is like foreign to me. But I just never had an encounter. I just never had the relevant knowledge and the information that I needed to meet to make such a decision earlier on in my life. And I guess at that point, you could say that I was not exactly called to minister in that time frame. But in the fullness of time, when the Lord says, I want you to be um, a part of ministry, I want you to be a Levite, I want to minister before my presence, minister to your people, I was like, you know what, I can't do it, but if you said to do it, then you're gonna give me the power to do it. So the answer is yes, and I think that should be the answer. It actually shocks me when God, the Lord Jesus Christ, come to your door, knock on your door, and you open the door, and it's not a man. It's God. And then people close the door and say, not today. And that's happening in a, in a general sense. It's happening. God is actually um, inviting people into a deeper relationship, and they're closing the door. 
But then if the pizza guy come with a pizza that you order, like, oh, absolutely, let it in, let him in. Right? So we need to have a, like a, a little bit of uh, adjustment. I'm saying this to say that we can adjust, that we can change, that we can begin to do the things that we need to do. We can, we can begin to have this wonderful relationship with God and see what he, it is that he, he has planned for our lives. And it's exciting. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Because, you know, quite frankly, when the Lord calls you to do something, it stretches you. Right? Because it takes you out of your comfort zone. It's beginning to tell you to do things that are not in your, you know, it's not easy for you to, to uh, subscribe. But then if he's going to give you the ability to do so, then now you can begin to, you know, venture out and do those things that God is calling you to do. So, but God had, and then verses 10, it says, but God had revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all, searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So, you know, this type of language is, can be a little bit tricky. It's talking about, but God had revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. But you know what? When you receive Jesus Christ, your spirit man is activated. So you can begin to understand spiritual things. And this is why it said in the previous verse that the princes of this world will not understand these things. But we can begin to understand, to begin to comprehend spiritual things. And everything that we're discussing here weekly, it's all spiritual things, right? Verses 11, it says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? It's basically, you know, I minister to quite a number of people, okay? And um, when they, when intellectually speaking, when the Lord presents these people before me, I have no clue what's going on with them. What is their issue? And on many, many occasions, because they're dealing with their issues from a, an intellectual perspective, they do not know what kind of issues they're having, either, which is great. Because all I got to do now is pray and ask, and, my, and ask the Lord to help. And then God will reveal to my spirit and tell me what is going on in their lives. And then I can tell them what is happening in their lives. And they don't know what is happening. But now we can shed light on them. These are spirit. This is spirit to spirit. Right? So even so, the, the things of God know it no man but the spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit. It's in, it's in verses 12, it says, No, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Isn't that amazing? No, we, we, because we have received the spirit of God, we might know the things of God. We need not walk in darkness. So many people are wondering what's happening in the world, you know, with especially like we've spoken about this coronavirus several times, and people seem to change their position. Even Christians, I see, change their position from week to week, from month to month. Especially now, we, we saw the president of the United States; he got it, and actually, I got he got it um, sometime this week, and uh, and then I was thinking, okay, and then the Lord said, go, no, you go and pray for him. The Lord told me to go pray for. Uh, Donald Trump and I was like kind of laying around and then the Holy Spirit kept on telling me go pray for that I will heal him and I was like up in my um, closet you know praying that God would heal him because you know regardless of how it looks to man you know God's plans are different and I'm, I'm more in tune with doing things God's ways than with the popular um, things that are on TV so if God said go pray for the president which is not the first time he has asked me to do that I'm gonna go do it and I was actually I was thinking there are millions and millions of Christians in the, in the United States of America. God would not ask me to do it. But then it's like God was saying to me, I need someone like um, apart from the situation because they have a lot of things that are going on there. 
And I don't necessarily have um, lean to any, um, I'm not involved in the political process um, and so forth. And God has allowed me to have a, an outlook that is not easily poisoned. That means I don't necessarily, I, I'm very slow to become biased or, or prejudiced or stuff like that. I, I'm, my whole um, goal in life is to have the mind of Christ. And if I'm going to have the mind of Christ, I realize that I have to refrain from having certain um, political things influence me. And then pretty soon, the language that I speak is going to be different. It's not going to be consistent with God's word. So I have to be very careful to um, even watch things, uh, see these things that are unfair, but then not allow them to allow me to become uh, poisoned in my thoughts. Right, so that, I believe that's why the Lord had me pray for him, because I'm very objective and I'm just, I know that the, the issues that the world have and they're facing, the Bible says that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. So I know that the issues that are um, happening are spiritual issues. And I like to read the, um, what all the Lord dealt with spiritual issues. He never dealt with anything on a physical level. It's as if Jesus never saw someone that was actually sick. The way that we see sickness. Every person that he ministered to, he ministered to them spiritually. That's, that's the only thing that's in scripture. There were no um, account of Jesus doing a surgery in a physical way with a knife and any tool like that. So I believe that the problems that the world is having are all spiritual problems. No, let's read a little bit more. Verses 13, it says, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but, the, but, the, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And I noticed it's going to sound a little bit, um, um, you know, a little bit confusing, and we might not derive everything from it. This is why I'm saying, how come Paul used so many, um, you know, Languages that seem as if it was very intellectual, but he said he preached the message of the cross with manifestation of the spirit and with power. But we know also Paul was an intellectual. Being a Pharisee, he had to be an intellectual, very intelligent. He was very school, well schooled, in the, um, especially when it came on to biblical things. Number 14, it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth, judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are foolishness unto him. And this goes into the account that Jesus had with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was another um, very well-educated man that Jesus was having this conversation with about spiritual things. And Jesus was actually talking to him about being born again and he said can a man go back into his mother's womb after he's grown for the second time and jesus was talking about born being born of the spirit and we'll we have been um talking about that a lot we want the life that is described in scripture the spirit life to be to be emboldened in people to be initiated one and then to be emboldened it was it, it was designed by god um for this and, 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 you know, I'm not being too critical of the churches. I don't want to, you know, there are, there is a ministry that is given that God used to correct people that are in ministry that are not teaching 
the right thing. But it's just that I'm saying that we don't, with the way that church is constructed, where we're just sitting in the pews and, you know, we're just listening to a person um, teach in a general sense, that's what we know. Not every church um, is into making disciples. Not every church is into spiritual growth. But we know that this, this is what we're after. We're after spiritual growth. And if God permit me to minister to anyone, I do not want to be talking to about on the same things for years. How can people be in your church, for example, for five years, 10 years, and they have not moved on to major levels of spiritual consciousness? of um, understanding about the things of God and are out there winning souls, winning souls. Because Jesus went through that season of being taught. And then he, yeah, from he was very young, being prepared for the ministry that God had called him into. And then when he was 30, he got baptized. And we see immediately after that baptism what he did. And I'm kind of like that. I'm like, okay, what is going to happen after... After I get all this knowledge, am I going to sit on it? Am I just like, I don't need something that I'm not going to do anything. This thing, it will burn you up. Right? Fire, the, the fire if it, in your bones. So we got to be, this is what, this is what, oh, it was designed. That any situation or circumstances that a, that a Christian gets into, boom, you're supposed to release something in that situation like Jesus did. Supernatural. Through your prayers. Through the words that you speak. People are going through difficulties and then we're listening and we're crying. No, uh -uh. change the situation. Take the authority that God has given to you and begin to announce to the, to the darkness that is fighting uh, in that person's life and, and begin to and, um, speak the word of God. Jesus said the words that I speak, their spirit and their life, they can change situations. And God can anoint, anoint us and the words that we speak so that when we are um, put in those situations and circumstances and the devil is attacking, whether it be our families or friends or wherever, boom, an explosion happens, like what happened with Jesus. Everywhere he went, he healed. Every situation, every person that came to him that was desperate for help, we see what happened. And he said, those who believe in me, the same works they will do and even greater works. So this is what, the, 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 the role of the fivefold ministry is to prepare, to prepare the body of Christ to go back in their house and chase Satan out of, the, out of that place, in their, out of their family, out of their communities, out of their workplaces, and dominate the most powerful power on the earth is not nuclear weapon. The most powerful power is the church of Jesus Christ. Because when we are together, when we are unified, when we know who we are, we dictate the terms of what happens. We dictate. And that's why God wants us in this season. And yes, the church might not have been um, up to the standards of Scripture, but you know, God is so merciful, God is so good, that even though mankind has failed so much time, He's not giving up on us, right? So the mere fact that we're actually here this morning is that we, you know, we can say yes today again. And we can begin to cooperate with the with what God God's agenda on the planet, and that's and that's what um, this is about. I'm gonna go um, flip back to First Corinthians uh, one, and then I'm gonna read from verses eighteen. I'm gonna read a, a few scriptures here. The Lord highlighted to me 
earlier in the week that I should uh, just uh, read a few scriptures from uh, 1 Corinthians. It, for verses 18, it says, 1 Corinthians 1, 18, it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For if you look at this analogy now, it took me a while to actually understand this. I was like, this is a little bit too tricky for me. But God has been giving me understanding, understanding on this passage. And he said, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So we hear many voices with many different, I call them opinions, because that they are opinions if they are not consistent with God's word. It's a mere opinion because nobody can back up anything. They don't have the relevant power to back it up unless it's um, backed by God. And, he said, and God said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And he goes, where is the wise? It's like God is actually speaking. He said, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where are the smart people? Where are the intellectuals? Where is the disputer of this world? Had not God made foolish the wisdom of, of the world? Yes, he did. He made, he made uh, it look like foolishness compared to what he had. Verses 21, he said, look at what he says in 21. He said, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. In other words, God gave the world his wisdom, and the world rejected God's wisdom. And what did God? What was God's response to the world? Respond, uh, rejecting His wisdom for an intellectual wisdom. What did God do? He said, "It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe." So this, which I'm speaking to you guys, the technology, the words are value because they're anointed by God. But the technology, the way that it's done, God look at this preaching and call it foolishness. But I'm going to say, um, those who believe this message through this technology to confound the wise the so-called wise of this world and verses 22 it says for the jews require a sign if you're ever praying for a jew don't bother just preaching hello pray that god would give them a supernatural miracle period that's how you, you say you uh, a jew come into the faith they need to see miracles and the greeks they seek after wisdom if you're ever um speaking to um greeks make sure you use great eloquence and fancy words. That's how you say it then. Don't bother uh, with just regular things, right? But it says, verses 23 said, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But the mercy of God says in verses 24, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, God going back and saving Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. It's in Jesus Christ. So we who are in Christ Jesus, the power and the wisdom of God flows through us. And it says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Like that. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. And then he goes on in 26, he says, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh. In other words, not many of the, the princes of the world are used to dispense this message of Jesus Christ, the, the salvation message. Not many of the smart men are used. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. For God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So I thank God this morning that I'm foolish. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. So I'm, I thank God this morning that I'm weak so that God can use me. Because if I have any strength on my own, then God has no... no no requirement for a guy like me, right? 
and base things of the world and things which are despised had God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught, to bring to naught things that are. And why did he do this? Verses 29 tells you that no flesh should glory in his presence. God, the Bible says, will share his glory with no man. Right? And that's why God chose the base and the weak things to speak for his word. So we are blessed this morning to be a part of this wisdom, this revelation, this type of understanding, this type of a communication, this type of a language that we can understand spiritual truth. And, and we're not, we're in, in saying this, I'm not, um, that we have this position in Christ, it's by the grace of God. But we also know that even though the Bible speaks like that, God has died for everyone. And it is his desire that every single person that is on the planet would come to him. Will they all come? No. But no, we must take this wisdom and this power and go and reach the lost. This is why we're doing it. Because the love of God for them that are lost, that are not into um, this language that we're speaking of now. God has put love in our hearts. So we are not taking this wisdom that is of God and then begin to be pretentious with it. As if, oh no, I'm, you know, I'm in Christ. And um, no, the, the idea behind this is to take this to the world. To take this to our neighbors. Being led by the Holy Spirit. Not in a dramatic way, not in a dogmatic way, but being led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ was led by the Holy Spirit. And we'll get into um, a lot more uh, as the weeks go by about the Holy Spirit. So I'm talking today in particular about resurrection of the dead. And uh, we read um, the, all of these foundational truths that I'm talking about were mentioned in Hebrews 6 from 1 to 3. And uh, we read that in, in Hebrews 6. 1 to Let me just uh, quickly uh, read from Hebrews 6, 1 to 3. Just a refresher because everything that we're speaking about, not only myself, but anyone that claims that they're a preacher or that God um, is asking them to do such and such and they're speaking to you, there has to be a confirmation from scripture in regards to um, what we're actually saying. It has to be backed by scripture. So Hebrews 6, um, it says, therefore, number, verses 1, it says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. He said, not to lay these foundations again of repentance. So, you know, we repent when we come to the, the Lord Jesus Christ of our sins and we repent from any kind of a religious system that we had that thought that it had some kind of a righteousness, which is dead works. We repent of those things and, 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 and faith towards God. Now we change and we begin to have faith towards God instead of faith towards uh, money or family or whatever else and of the doctrine of baptism so we understood we went through a baptism there there's more than one kind of a baptism baptism of john we know the baptism of jesus and the baptism of the believer right and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead so today we're starting this um teaching resurrection of the dead is a two-part series and today we're just gonna start um we're just going to deal with two aspects of them really quick. And then next week, we'll talk about the last part. So I'm going to start um, from John 11, 25 to 26. John 11, 25 to 26. And it says, 
you can actually write down these scriptures. Uh, if I'm going a bit fast, you can write them down and then you can maybe uh, reference them uh, even later on or whenever you have the time. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Which is, can you imagine? Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. In other words, the scripture is basically saying to me, because I'm alive right now, you are alive now, right now, and you believe in Jesus Christ, you will never die. You're, you will experience a physical death, but your spirit man or your soul, the minute you're, um, the, Paul the Apostle puts it this way, he, say, he says, out of the body, present with the Lord. That's why you, your, your, your physical body will be resurrected in, on Judgment Day, but immediately when you die, with the capacity of your, um, I would say like of your intellect, more like a spiritual intellect, spiritual intelligence, you will be, you will be transported to heaven. It's not like because we're, we're a triune being, we're not just um, this physical body. So that's what he's saying, that, that um, there will be a resurrection, but also it's, when you physically die, you go immediately to heaven. That's what Jesus is actually saying here. Uh, there are the meaning of the word resurrection is a raising up, to raise up. It means to cause to rise up from the dead. Well, there are three resurrections that are mentioned in, mentioned in scripture. And the past, the, the resurrection, the first one is the past, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And these things are very important that we actually understand these things. And be able to, on a certain level, not, not only understand it to concrete or faith, or else if you don't have the, the, these foundational things laid down in your belief system, the minute that you're challenged with, when anything challenges you, you'll begin to doubt. Many Christians, even for, for example, many people lost their faith because of what's happening in the coronavirus, but yet still the Bible warns that perilous times are ahead. And how is it that you build a faith that will sustain you in times like these? By understanding what is laid out in scripture. Right? So the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the spiritual resurrection of believers in Jesus Christ. A good scripture of this is John 3, 1 verse 7. Let's just go to John 3 and we'll read 1 to 7. We're talking about the spiritual resurrection of believers in Christ. John 3. St. John. That's, uh, that's John as in St. John. And it says, there was, let me just let this person in. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And that's really what initiates the birth of your spirit. That was since the fall of man, and man fell from position with God, man's spirit was not in a in commute, complete communion with God. But when you receive Jesus Christ, that born again process happens. And yes, there are a few things that you do, like baptism and so forth. So no, and then the future, the next one is the future resurrection of all from, from the grave. So who is the resurrector? In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 15, it says, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. So Jesus Christ is the only one that can do that. Right? Uh, John 11, 25, it says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. All of these scriptures are confirming that Jesus Christ is the one that can do that. Another scripture is 1 Corinthians 15, 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, Jesus, was made a quickening, life-giving spirit. So Jesus is the one that gives, uh, in Christ, we have this uh, ability to have this newness of life. The old man is passed away. And that's what even the baptism represents. Second uh, Timothy 1, verses 10, it says, But it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who had abolished death and had brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Uh, let's go uh, speak a little bit more on the past. The Old Testament foretold the birth of Jesus Christ, his death for the sins of all mankind, and his resurrection. And David mentioned this in the resurrection of Jesus. David mentioned this in Acts 2, 30, verses uh, 31. It says, Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins he would set upon his throne. And this is many, many years before the coming of Jesus Christ. All of these, this was prophesied. Even guys like um, Moses saw this and spoke of uh, Jesus Christ. And David, hundreds of years removed, was uh, prophesying and speaking of this Jesus Christ. He says, he foreseen this, speaks of the resurrection of the Christ. Many, many verses in the Bible confirm the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead on the third day and his burial. This resurrection began with Jesus Christ. This same resurrection that actually happens in us began with Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 20, it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead. And in Matthew 28, verses 1, Matthew 28, verses 1, and then we'll also read 5, five to 7, says, 
in the in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. So Jesus was seen by many people after his resurrection. It was very important that they were, uh, there was a lot of evidence because Jesus had spoken that he was going to um, be uh, dead for three days and then be resurrected. So we, we, we must understand the Bible was, is the word of God that was preserved by God. And it gives us the understanding of what transpired. It gave us the operational system of how God wants us to live. But then God gave many um, evidences to support this, many accounts to support the, um, obviously a lot of this thing happened. This is, I was speaking with someone yesterday. We were talking about many different religions that are in the world. How is it that we differentiate which religion is the true religion? And I was like, you know, the thing with Jesus Christ was that with, with the Lord Jesus Christ, that you can actually have an encounter with him today. But if you go into other religions, it's more re just religious activity. They will do excessive prayer and different um, things that they, they do religiously, but they don't talk to you about, about like, you know, for example, we talk about the Holy Spirit. They don't talk about hearing the voice of God. They don't talk about healings and the supernatural miracles and so forth like that. It's more just pray. So how are you supposed to differentiate which religion is the true religion? When all religions, they pray a lot in every religion. Or they have, um, or they have a book. Or, or they have a, uh, some type of a book. I'm not sure where that noise is coming from. Let me see if I can. Okay, I think it's gone. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Awesome. Sorry about that. The things that you have to put up with on this Zoom. Eh? When are we going to get back into the church? So we can just, you know, I can look into everybody's eyes and see who's actually laughing at my jokes and who's not laughing. And I, I, I give some jokes and I just assume uh, some people are finding it funny. You know, but some people are probably thinking that. Yeah, so we were, we were um, back to what I was discussing. How do you differentiate between religions? It's an encounter. It's, a, it's an active relationship that you can have with Jesus Christ that allows you. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's an active relationship and fellowship that you have with Jesus Christ that allows you to come in, to, to differentiate between the Muslim religion or the, or the one million Hindus, Hindu religion or Buddhists and so forth. Jesus said, in the book of Jeremiah, he said, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And Jesus said, knock, seek, and ask, and I will come in 
and dine with you. You can have, uh, you can hear the voice of God. He speaks to you in many different ways. He speaks to you in dreams and visions and so forth. It's real and it's active. It's active. In my case, I give the example of how God um, spoke to me while I was in Vaughan, audible, in the middle of a, a summer day. Ten words he spoke as clear and I fell on the ground in his voice. And I don't talk to um, people from different religious backgrounds with these type of uh, an encounter. So we, we, we talk about the Bible and then they say the Bible is 2,000 years removed from today. How do I verify that it's really the word of God? I say you can, you, you, can, you, you can find God, you can seek him and find him. I prayed for so many people <clears throat> and they actually had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Right? Last time I was praying for a young man over here. He's just, what, 10, 12 years old, I think he is. Several times I prayed for him and then Jesus came to him twice and had conversations with him. He was so excited. That's what, this is what, this is how real um, what we're talking about. But then it gives you an, uh, the history of what happened. The Bible gives you the history of what happened, even from the beginning of time and in Jesus' days. And then it now tells you and explains to you about yourself in this plan of God. And you can have understanding. Spending time around in the word of God. Spending time around believers and continually um, going after it will bring you into the fullness of what it, what you need to know. And that's what we're about here. So it's um, Acts 1 verses 3. It says, after his suffering, he showed himself alive to many in many convincing ways and appeared to them repeatedly over a period of 40 days, talking to them about the affairs of the kingdom. Jesus did that. And in 1 Corinthians 15, we'll read 5 to 8. It says here another it says, he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once. 500 people. That's a lot. Of whom the greater part remain unto this day. Well, not anymore, but some are falling asleep. At the time when this was being written, they were still alive. After that, he was seen of James, then of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born of due time, which is Paul. Because Paul, we knew, had, he had many encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ. But he had one notable encounter on the road of Damascus when he was sent out to, um, to go, you know, bound Christians and bring them into the authorities. So his resurrected, let's talk a little bit about his resurrected body. Because these things are very mean, meaningful to us and we should understand them. Because we're, the same things are going to happen to us in a, you know, it's so far, it can be so far removed from us. These things that I'm discussing now. In our daily life, in our daily existence, in the material world, these things can seem so foreign that, is, that it, it's as if we're not even a part of it. And that's not the way that God designed it. We should be walking with the reality that we are eternal beings, that we're going to go to heaven when we die. And that's why we need to nourish the growth in our spirit. We need to focus on the things of God. Because if we don't, then this reality that is written down in scripture, it's not going to be captured in our daily life, in our existence now. Existence now. And we will not pay much attention to the things of God. And we will not bear fruit with our lives either. I'm not talking about this, you know, when it comes down to material things and um, money and so forth like that. You know, we're not exactly creating these things. God is the creator of everything. 
and he actually owns everything. So if, for example, if, <clears throat> if you're in the secular world, I've used this example a lot of times, and for, I know you're 60 years old and the Lord said, you're going you're gonna to preach for the next 20, 30 years before you go, go to heaven. It's time to go preach. It's time to switch. What, with whatever age that that happens, that's when you switch. You don't go now, oh, I have a, a system worked out, workout of my retirement, my savings, and this is your response to God. That's just like a lame response. It's like, first of all, if you're going to talk to a person, you, you need to figure out like who it is that you're speaking with. What can they do? You're, you're going into the bank and the bank can loan you the money to buy a car or a house. You don't just present yourself anyhow. You show them how you have stored money. You show them your um, ability, to ability to repay a loan by taking in your credit score and all of those type of things. You're showing them honor. You're showing them respect because you know they're in a position that they can help you. But God can do more than help you. God can do everything in a supernatural way. And that's when we come before God, we must come understanding that he's God. We must not come before God with this mentality. How am I going to pay my bills? Like, that's an insult. Like, like, oh, my God. Don't you see what, like, take a look at this. Before we go before the Lord, maybe go outside and take a look at the sun. And then understand that this, the God that you're going to go pray with, uh, yeah, he put that there. And it's been there forever, still shining down on us. He's, he's capable of doing everything. And yes, for a season, the Lord might pay you through your job. And for a season, the Lord might allow you to gather certain levels of education and so forth like that. Those are good things. I'm not saying that those are, are bad things. But then there comes a point when the Lord will knock on your door and begin to wake you up to spiritual things. Begin to wake you up to the things, the reason why he put you on the earth. The people that, whose souls are connected with your life, with your ministry. The people at your workspace that you should have been testifying of Jesus Christ, but you didn't have the strength to do so. Why was it that we, not, we were not able to do so? We didn't have the spiritual strength because we were not spending the time with the Lord. We spoke about that last week. That the disciples, they spoke boldly and they perceived that they were with Jesus Christ, that they were spending time with Jesus Christ. You will have impact when you're spending the time in the word of God. You will have impact when you're spending the time praying. It's automatic that you will bear fruit. There's no way that God will actually send you to do a, a work and you're undertaking it in the proper fashion and you don't see results. You're going to see results. We have actually like, we have had um, a few people even from the Muslim faith that we have uh, led to the Lord. And one of them in a very dramatic way, like within... Two days she converted. Two days. And I, I like I felt so much God when I was talking to her. I'm like, and I see that there was a there was like a I saw a weakness inside of her. She was vulnerable because her God was letting her down. So there was something that was exposed to me. And I go, you know, you're you're not hearing from your God. You're just you're just following them to the a temple and you're just reading the Bible. Nothing is happening. And I see that. And I was just um speaking to her like that. And two days after that, she came to her house and we prayed. And the Holy Spirit like literally fell on her. And we took her to church and she just really just her, everything changed for her. That's the kind of fruit that you will bear. Is it always going to be like that? No. There are other people that I went to uh, outside and I, and I just planted a seed. 
I just said, you know, I just gave them my testimony of how real God is and so forth. But but there are some that you will some that you will you will they will convert immediately. Immediately they will convert. But this happens when when you're going after God. And it's not convenient for you to go after God. You have to find um, pray that God will give you the grace, the strength to do so. Sometimes you don't wanna you don't wanna get out of bed to go to work. It's the same thing with spiritual things. And you're thinking, why should I go on? I've heard the messages. Uh, no, you still go to work, right? Because you still got to pay the bills. So we have to have that same mentality. Right? Let's read from uh, John 2, 19 to 21. What time is it? Thanks. So it says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up, or raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and will thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said unto them, said this unto them. So Jesus predicted pretty much everything was like, uh, you know, spoken before it was, before it came to pass. He prophesied of these things that would happen. Everything has having to do with the understanding of this Christian faith is laid out in scripture in one book. And many times we're not reading that book. But we can read 10 times that amount of book in a, in a four-year course in college and come out and be very successful. But we have to, in this season, we who say we are believers in Jesus Christ, we need to begin to go to God and believe God for everything. That's why with this coronavirus, I was like, I'm, I'm like, oh, can the Lord allow me to die? And not that I'm not being boastful, but you know, he has, he needs people like us to be alive. If I'm doing God's will, I think it's in God's interest that I stay alive until all of my days have been lived out. But if I'm not doing the Lord's will, and I go and I'm asking God for healing and and to preserve my life, you know, that's not strong enough reason. And that's why I have confidence that God will preserve our lives because we are in his will. So I can't be afraid of the coronavirus or anything else or a car or if I take the, the airplane, I'm not getting there based on luck. I know that God will warn me if there, if there is danger. Even my children, you know, I was here one day this week, and Jordan has been playing with some of the kids on the outside. And then, uh, you know, there was a, a new girl in the area, and she came and knocked, and she, you know, Jordan is very friendly. She knows how to make friends. And, and you know, they be, she began to come in the evenings and knock. And I was like, okay, go, go play with her, and, uh, and so forth. But then one day, I was laying here, and Jordan was outside playing with her. And then I, it's like the Lord said to me to look outside, to go, go check on Jordan. And I kind of ignored it the first time. And then the second time, I knew it was God. And then I looked outside and I saw her teaching Jordana. So uh, or she was dancing as a very young girl, but she was dancing like, you know, like ways that you don't want your um, your kids to be dancing, like what they do on uh, those uh, secular MTVs type of stuff. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, okay, Jordana. I kept the kid. I had to call her in, right? But, you know, it was the Lord who did that. 
this is the detail and the precision that you can have a relationship with God. That you can, and that, that's not the only area that, Lord, any area of your life, you will know that this is a relationship with Jesus Christ. He will keep you, protect you. You don't have to go outside. Yes, we wear the mask and so we're like that. But we are confident in God. And that's what we're talking about here. So Jesus was not talking about breaking down the temple in Jerusalem. He was referring to his own body as a temple. But then these people never understood that language because they had rejected the altar of life. They had rejected Jesus Christ. The disciples, it would break down these things. Even if the disciples never understood the analogies that he gave, they, would, they were humble enough to ask him to break it down. And then he would. But the, the people that rejected him because of pride, they were not privy to this type of a knowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ was important to believers. So let's talk a little bit about the, uh, and then we'll wrap it up, the importance of the resurrection. What is the importance? In 1 Corinthians 15, from 13 to 14, it says, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then, in, then is our preaching vain, and your faith also in vain. Right? Because Jesus promised that he would be resurrected. So this is why he offered so much evidence of his resurrection. Because it would mean all of what we're preaching would mean nothing. Believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is necessary to become a true believer. If you go read Romans 10, 9 and 10, it tells you that if you believe in your heart, profess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's the significance of the resurrection. We have to believe it. Romans, yeah. Uh, and also in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, it says, Moreover, brethren, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, 1 to 4 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, all that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was and that he rose again the third day according to this according to the scriptures one of the crucial things that paul is actually saying is that if you keep in memory what i preach unto you unless you have believed in vain you know we have so many different viewpoints in regards to this these days some people are saying that once you're saved you're always saved and that's not scripturally correct we know you have to walk out this christian walk we know you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. We know you have to have a rigorous, vibrant prayer life. You have to be a part of the body of Christ. We know this is not something that you profess and then you go back out and live um, the life that you lived before. That is not consistent with Scripture. The Bible says that you're going to make it into heaven through, many, through a lot of different difficulties. Anything that is worthwhile is worth paying the price for. If there is anything that is worthwhile, 
for human beings to give themselves in totality to. It's certainly not material gain. It's certainly not um, fame. If there's anything that a human being can say, okay, I need one particular cause to com commit everything to, it's Jesus Christ. It's giving his life to Jesus Christ. I'm being, I'm going after all of the promises of God that are written in scripture. That is, that is the design of God. And that's what the Lord is actually inviting people to do. And it's about time we say yes. So begin to say no to some of the other things that people are inviting you to. And say yes to the one who created you. So God is, this morning I feel, oh, the Lord is inviting someone back into fellowship, into relationship with him that has been far removed from him because of different it may be the busyness of life or the mindset of the world but god is good and merciful that you will walk away from him for 10 years 15 years 20 years and he will extend his hand again and say i'm still here for you and that's what the lord is saying come and have relationship with me. It's an amazing thing when you embrace Jesus Christ totally, totally. And look how Jesus embraced his father. He did this and set the example for us to do so. And the Lord is having me um, now uh, kind of like, you know, shift a little bit away from the message and speak something else. And I feel the um, presence of God like coming on me now. It's like God is saying, this is your moment. This is your moment. Like someone is here. The Lord is speaking to this morning. I'm not sure. This is your moment to connect back with God fully. Fully. What a beautiful thing. We're not talking about a person, just a human being. We're talking about God. Inviting you back into fellowship, into a relationship, into the fullness of what he has called you to be, that you know. You knew this at some point, but got a little bit distracted. And we thank God for the mercy, his mercy and his goodness and his grace. That time will pass and he will still be patient and invite us back into fellowship. The resurrection confirms Jesus Christ is the son of God. Let's read Romans 1 and verses 4. Romans 1 and verses 4 says, and according to the spirit of holiness was openly designated the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, even Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Messiah, the anointed one. Let's not take these words lightly this morning. The fact that no, in Christ, we are eternal beings, that we live on forever, that we are no longer thinking about accomplishing all of our goals and our dreams in a 50-year, 60, 70, or 80, or 100-year-old lifespan. We begin to think eternally. Jesus Christ has conquered death. And those who are in Christ are no longer thinking that their existence is only until the time that their physical body leaves this earth. And that's, that's just something that really um, excites me. The resurrection confirms Jesus is supreme over all created beings. Let's read Ephesians 1, 20 to 23. Ephesians 1, 20 to 23. 
It says, that power is the same divine energy which was demonstrated in Christ when he, was, when he raised him from the dead and gave him the place of supreme honor in heaven. That's why when you call on um, Allah, he, uh -uh. It's, not, it's not what does it. Jesus, if, unless you call on that name, oh, look at what the Bible says about him. That power is the same divine energy which was demonstrated in Christ when he raised him from the dead and gave him the place, place of supreme honor in heaven, a place that is infinitely superior to any conceivable command, authority, power of control, and which carries with it a name far beyond any name that could ever be used in this world or in the world to come. That's why you can't call the name Jesus Christ when you're in, when you're in hell. You're forbidden to say Jesus when you're in hell. You can say God in a general sense because they call every, every um, religion of some you know, image or something that they call God. But Jesus Christ, there is power. So if you're in hell and you're able to say Jesus Christ, you'd have to come there and deliver you. So that you're forbidden to speak that word, that name. And, and in verses 23, it says, God has placed everything under the power of Christ and has set him up as the head of everything for the church. You know, this, we're, we're taking Jesus Christ for granted. Maybe we have heard his gospel too many times, if, if there is such a thing. We're taking him for granted. How precious he is to us. He's like everything, even though we're not living consistently with God's will or acknowledging God as our provider or protector, the one that is causing us to be alive, he still, besides that, is blessing us and preserving us and keeping us and protecting us. We, not, we, must, not, we must not acknowledge Jesus Christ for the role that he plays in our life, which is he is our everything. We have nothing apart from him. Nothing is going on without the love of God, without, without his mercy being extended to us. Romans 4.25, it says, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised up again for our justification? What a price Jesus Christ paid for us when he went to that cross. When he took on every sin that mankind ever committed and said that we could not pay for. We need to be thankful for Jesus for doing that. We, must, we need to be continually thankful and reverential and then show him how you appreciate that in your daily life by allowing him to take authority over your life, every year of your life, subjective. Don't, we spoke about death last week, Galatians 2.20. This process of death, and we use the understanding of what happens to a plant, of ger the process of germination to go through this. That this is what is supposed to be undertaken in the life of a believer when he comes to Jesus Christ. That he no longer functions according to the old man. But, you know, allow the new life that comes to us through Jesus Christ. I love that process because it can be difficult because we can be strong in ourselves or will. We can be so convinced about 
different things, especially when we have been hurt and gone through certain difficulties in certain situations. We now believe that we have a reason to conduct ourselves this way. But the, the thing is that Jesus has taken away those excuses because he can compensate you for that hurt. He can heal you from that pain. That's kind of how I live, you know, my life. My ability to take the word of God and understand it by the Holy Spirit is what gives, it is what gives me power. My ability to understand that God can compensate me for every injustice allows me to get up and say, you know, and, and pretty easily. By the time I get up in the morning, I'm like, uh, am I going to do God's will today? Absolutely. Yeah, every day. That's the mentality. Why? I'm able to do this because of God's grace. But then I understand the nature of God. How loving he is, how kind he is. And the minute I begin to think on these type of things, the answer is, is yes. And the answer is going to be yes tomorrow also. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, believers will also be resurrected and have new bodies. New bodies. No more going to the doctors. No more going to the dentist. And all those type of things. Begin to see this. Begin to see this everlasting life. This, the initiation of this process, is not when you go to heaven. It's a mindset that you can have today. That your whole existence is in one wrapper. The minute you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Begin to see, begin to see your eternal life beginning at that stage don't don't think oh you know when i die and then i go to heaven that's when it, it begins no we are eternal beings immediately we can have this mind that was in christ jesus the bible says and we know based on what he did based on what jesus did daily we could tell that he did not have a carnal mind that he had that eternal perspective and we can we can also attain to those levels. I say attain to those levels because it's not something that happens in a day. It's a process that God, God undertakes in you over time as you submit your will and begin to pursue Him with continuity, consistency. Don't do it based on how you feel. One day this week I never felt like praying, but I go, you know, I'm just going to pray in tongues for a while and see what the effect it's going to have on me. And you know, it changed, it, it changed my day and it changed my week. I just, uh, from that time, I was like, whoa, that really, really, I test these things to see, you know, you know, when you, when you're thirsty, uh, physically speaking, and you go to the refrigerator and get a drink, you know, that thing does something to your body when you, when you gobble it down, right? It does something to your body. You know, you don't have, you don't feel that thirst anymore, or you wouldn't feel that hunger if it was food. It does something to your body. And the things that are written in, the word of God for us too. One of them is praying in tongues, which edifies your spirit when you're feeling um, weak spiritually. And that's what I did. I go, okay, something's not right here. I'm just going to do what I don't feel like doing. And I did. And it, I felt the presence of God just come over me. And he just restored every part of my being. And before you know it, I was like, somebody was calling me and I had a lot of energy to talk to that person. A lot of, I could impart a lot of things that God was um, giving me to impart. So we see, we don't have to exactly feel like that we need to do all of the spiritual things. We just, we just need to do them a lot of the time. You're at work, you don't feel like being at work, but the fact that the mortgage company is not going to um, 
sympathize with your feelings. You know, they, their whole idea is get me that money at the end of the month. You, so you, what, what do you do? All the discipline and understanding your obligations. You stay there and be mature about it. And don't just get up, throw a temper tantrum and walk through the door. I mean, even though I've done, I did that in another world, <laughs> in another time. <laughs> Uh, let's read uh, Philippians 3.21. Philippians 3, verses 21. It says, Who shall change our vile body, well, that it may be fashioned like unto, his, like unto his body? Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his body? According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. A brand new body. Let me just check the time here. Still good. I don't want to go um, too far. So yeah, we're gonna um, let's just look at one more thing and then we'll wrap it up. So, so the Bible speaks of the present resurrection of believers. This means those who once were spiritually dead in sin are now made alive spiritually through Jesus Christ. And I will just cover a few scriptures here. On um, Ephesians two. One to five. I think we actually read that one already. Let's take another one. Let's read Colossians 2.13. It says, And you being dead in your sins, had he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And 2 Corinthians 5.17, really quick, it says, Therefore, if any, any person is in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. And we know there are some uh, outward signs of this resurrection. One is baptism. This is something that I've been talking to a few people about. We need to um, be baptized. Baptism in water is an outward sign of death to the old life of sin and the spiritual resurrection of, that, of the believer in Jesus Christ. So we need to be obedient to what God is saying and go and get baptized based on how it is in scripture. Not with the sprinkling of water, but with the immersion. That's what it what it what how it's done in scripture. Evidences of the of this resurrection is one death to sin resulting in a new life. Romans 6 verses 11 it says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, O Lord. Dead to sin. In other words, God begin now to undertake a process in you of changing your nature. Now, this is not to condemn anyone that makes mistakes, right? Because we, we don't, we all have things to overcome. But once we are pursuing and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to change us, we will see that transformation take place in us. We'll see the nature of the old man begin to fall off of us. We will see the desires that are inconsistent with God's will and God's word, not there in our being anymore, as we allow the Holy Spirit to do this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says, And he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. This is very powerful. But unto, him in, but unto him which died for them and rose again, we should not now live unto ourselves. That means we cannot just have a, physical existence that is just all about um, results, physical results, material gain. That if that's, um, that's not the will of God, 
after we have we come into this new birth experience and begin to function as spiritual beings. Yes, the Lord knows that we have commitments, that we have obligations, we have responsibilities, but there, under no circumstances are we supposed to just give ourselves to um, pursue in material gain as a child of God. And then God will now begin to show you how to function spiritually, how to even trust him for um, financial gain. There is a system like we discussed uh, two weeks prior to today about how to even increase in your finances from a kingdom perspective. But that's when you have the, this will not work for a person who is just asking God for money. This is, this will work for people who have God, God's interest at heart. That means they're servants of Jesus Christ. Then when they when they go to the Lord in petition to the Lord, asking the Lord to take care of their personal needs and so forth, the Lord will give them breakthrough, give them favor. The old purpose of our existence changes when we come to Jesus Christ. It's no longer just me, 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 me anymore. We will drive the miles to, um, you know, it doesn't matter where the Lord sends myself and my wife, we will go. Once the Lord connects us with a person and we know that it's him, we're off to the races. We're like in our car and gone. We're willing to go pay to, to do what the Lord has. And then when, when we go to the Lord and speak to the Lord about our personal needs, he, he knows that we need um, our bills paid and so forth. But I know that God is um, will provide for all our needs and he will for everybody else also. So that is the message today. When we're finished going through this series of the foundational truths, we're going to hand out a PDF so you can comb through it. And it's not very big either. You can do it within a week, two weeks. And then you can go through these principles that are laid out in Hebrews 6 uh, in a more defined way and, and then cement them as your foundation. And then we can begin to, like I said, we will begin to talk about the gifts and, uh, and so forth and other aspects of uh, scripture as we go forth. So that is the message today. And I'm going to give it over to see if Kim has something to share. And then we'll pray for those who need prayer. Anything to share, Kim? Well, not really something to share, but it's like my heart just wanted to pray. Like at the end. I just started to pray in my spirits. And I guess I just wanted to say a quick word of prayer just after that word that went forth. So Heavenly Father, I thank you, O oh God, for the word, Lord Jesus, O oh God, your word that went forth. We thank you, Lord Jesus, O oh God, for the principle, the foundational principles, O oh God, that you're laying out for us, Lord, as, as children of the Most High, as believers, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, oh God, for this truth, oh God, these understanding, oh God, that we're coming into, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as we go forth, oh God, each and every day, that you'll help us, oh God, to overcome the flesh, Lord, and to live this wonderful life in the spirit, oh God, that you're calling us into, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, oh God, to say yes to your will and to your ways, Lord, and to open up our hearts let that word, Lord Jesus, that went forth, let it find fertile soil, Lord, and just germinate. Let that, those seeds and those words just germinate, oh God, in our hearts. Continue, oh God, so just pull us, oh God, to your bleeding side, oh God, to your cross, oh God, 
to the power, oh God, of your resurrection, oh God, and what all of that power entails, oh God. Your dudamus power, Lord Jesus, oh God, that enables us to do, oh God, not by yourself and through our own strength, but because of the strength and the power, oh God, that you have given unto us when you died on that cross, Lord. We receive that power, oh God, and we go forth as children of the Most High with that power, with that strength, with that overcoming spirit. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.